NFR. NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. And was talking about Luke, and they said, you know, Luke Branquino is going to go down as the greatest steer wrestler of our generation. Like, it, it can't be done the way that he did it. Right. And then eight years later, I got to where I'm one behind him. Right. I mean, that that's something that it stuck with me ever since Pearson said that. And, that, and that's always been, like, goals that I wanted to have. Is anybody that, if you get the credit for being the best in my event, I don't want to be as good. I want to be better. Right. And, I mean, that's that's what my, my goal ever since I was a kid. The guys that I always uh, dreamed about being was, like, Roy Duvall, Oak Berry, John W. Jones. There was always these these big legends in rodeo. I said my goal whenever I, mean, this was when I was a little kid. I said my goal is I want everybody to forget about them. This is Brylan Bentley, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Best moment from last year's NFR has to be the reaction from Tyler during round 10. I mean, that, that was a crazy round. So I want, I want you to give us your version because I, I know I watched it on TV and the aha moment from you when everything kind of came together. I, I want to hear your, your version. You know, before the round started, we had it figured out as to what would have to happen for me to win the world. And it was so far-fetched, it, it almost couldn't have worked. I had to finish in the top five in the go-round. Uh, Will Loomis had to break a barrier. He could not miss a steer. He could not just be long or any of that kind of stuff. He and I had to flop positions in the average was the only way that it could work. And then Stetson Jorgensen could not win a check in the final round. Whenever we go to check the draw, Will's steer was not very good. He had a steer that was stronger. I'd run him throughout the week. Uh, Stetson Jorgensen, though, had a steer that they've placed every time on. He's a great steer. And I had a very good steer, too. Uh, I wound up, by the end of the round, I was splitting fourth and fifth, which was enough. And then Stetson and Will were the last two guys to go. Will breaks the barrier, so that part had done fell into play. And then Stetson had what I thought was probably one of the better steers on the herd and missed the barrier and missed him. I mean, I I knew I'd won the world as soon as Stetson nodded his head. He was way off the barrier, right. and the round was already fairly tough. He had to be 4-1, and he was going to run him too far. Like, I didn't even know that he missed him until after the whole thing was said and done. Did you talk to him after the round? Uh, no, I talked to Will after the round. It was That was Will's world, t- world title to lose. And it just, unfortunately for him, it, it didn't work out the way he wanted it. Now, what was he riding? Uh, Will was riding Benz. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because, I, I mean, that was, like you say, going into it. And we had seen you guys at, at Oatberry's Steer Wrestling. And, you know, you kind of had that feeling when you see Will and you and, and all the guys hanging around. That was the conversation that was going on. Is like, this is yeah. this time. Yeah, you you, know? you, we, we knew who it was between going into the – and, like, don't get me wrong, there were still five or six guys that had – a chance, sure. but it was so far-fetched for them to be able to win. I was one of the ones included in that. You know, it was between Will and Stetson going into that last that last night, and for them to both fall out. Like I said, that was 10 rounds for, for that to happen. For it to happen at the finish line was crazy. So do you have a, a post-game dinner that you like when something like that happens? When you get back home, is there a – is there a feast or something that you guys plan? Or as soon as my plane, I, my, I flew out the next morning. As soon as my plane landed, I packed a bag and uh, we went hunting for about two weeks. That's what we. That's our nice. our hunting time around the house and stuff. So we go hang out at the camp, kind of kick the horses out, let them relax, and we go kind of hang out in the woods where it's quiet. <laughs> there you go. Get, get, try to get the Vegas off of you. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. 
Oh. You mentioned Oatberry, and I have to ask this because it was in a note somewhere. You wear a purple shirt in round 10. Just a spite oat. <laughs> uh, whenever I was younger, Oat was always one of my heroes, helped me out a ton, and he used to always tell me that purple was the most unlucky color in rodeo, that anytime somebody wore purple, that's whenever they just did absolutely terrible. So if you watch a lot of times at the NFR, the horse that I'm riding will have purple boots. I wear purple in any major go-round anywhere. Uh, the American every year, Houston short go every any major deal. I'm I'm wearing purple every time just just to bug that guy. So it's not an LSU thing. No, not okay. an LSU thing. All right. Are you an LSU fan? When they're winning, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a bandwagon fan. Oh, that's so funny because it's that's part of the South that I I love. I mean, there is a, a passion for teams. Some of it gets a little ignorant. The Alabama Auburn thing. Mm-hmm. I know you're friends with Kyle and and that. That deal gets a little out of control, but LSU fans are some of the the most fun because if you ever go to a game and you're the opposing team, oh yeah, they'll they'll not only make fun of you but they'll give you a beer and then continue to make fun of you. Absolutely, so it's Southern it's hospitality. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, hi, hi, Steve. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Thank you. Happy to be here. I had to go do some push-ups knowing that uh, Wags was coming down here. Yeah, you, you was pushing all right. Where you just came from. Yeah. Let it ride. It did. Yeah. Oh. So how do you and Sarah manage your schedules? Uh, it's extremely difficult to get our schedules to line up. Um, slacks don't ever line up. Uh, just different horses going to different places never lines up for us. Uh, we do the best we can. Fortunate for us, we got uh, several guys that I travel with, uh, has different rigs that I can jump in and out of. She kind of keeps our rig all the time. We've got a lot of different places out throughout the country that we have uh, good friends of ours that we can stay at overnight and, and all kinds of stuff. Like she, she takes her good horse. She goes to maybe two rodeos a week whenever we're out here on for the summer, whereas I'm going to six and seven of them every week. So she kind of just goes and camps out. Like we got a good place in around Mead, Colorado mm-hmm. that we stay at, a place in Utah we stay. So we kind of got some little hubs we can hang out at. Base camps. Mm-hmm. How many horses you take down the road? Uh, we normally keep, uh, between Sarah and I, we have five, but between me and all the guys that I travel with, we've got three teams of horses that we go with. And just hooking up and going and... Figuring it out. Yeah, well, like, well, this mo- for the majority of this summer, uh, me and the guys will have two different rigs that are going on at all times, and then Sarah will probably keep a team of horses with her. So if we ever got to jump back to a team of horses or trade horses out or something like that, she kind of keeps them taken care of. They don't have to get burned up and down the road like we are. It kind of sounds like a logistic nightmare. Uh, yeah, if you if you've seen the the calendar that we have written with a with a pen, yeah, it's terrible. Yes, yeah. there's stuff going everywhere. And who's usually traveling with you? Uh, with me this year, it'll be uh, me, uh, Cash Rob, who's winning the Rookie of the Year right now. Jacob Talley made the finals several times. And then Rowdy and Remy Parrott. Rowdy's made the finals several times. And Remy Hayes for me uh, for the second half of the finals this year. That Cash was a force to be reckoned with at the Junior World Finals, too. He's I mean, he is the real, real deal. deal. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to be the best shot for a steer wrestler to make the NFR on his rookie card that we've had in a long time. I mean, he's he's riding good horsepower. He's... He listens. He works at it in the practice pen. Like I mean, he's he he's just a boy, but he's a grown man out there. Oh yeah. So how old is he? Is he eighteen? Uh, he is nineteen right 19. now. Nineteen. Okay. He, he won the incentive too, didn't he? At Oatberry's deal. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. the high money man of, that they ever had at Oatberry's deal. They fit. They had figured it up 
uh, whenever he got finished with Oatberry's deal, he won like 50, 50 or 60,000 throughout right. the years that he's been there he, as I a think, kid. I think that one year he won everything. He won everything but like one. The only saddle he didn't win in 2021 was the 16 and under incentive. That's because he couldn't incentive. win it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He won the fast time, the fast time, the, uh, average. the average, the year end, all yeah. that. You're yeah. literally not allowed yeah. to win it. So that's why you didn't. Yeah. yeah. That was the only, 16, the only one you couldn't get. You're not allowed to win it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's impressive to see that. And there's been, there's a lot of these other groups kind of struggle, but, and I think we've had this conversation before, but the steer wrestling side of it, it seems like there's a pretty big wave of young guys coming into the steer wrestling. We talked about that the other day. I'm, I'm 32 years old and. That whenever I first started, 36 was the average age making the NFR, and now it's 27. Wow. So I'm like, yeah, but, I, I but went to being the old guy real you're fast. You're in your midlife crisis yeah. for steer wrestling. But yeah, but when you line that up with other events, you know, I mean, there's a whole group of bull riders making it at 19 and 20. Yep. So right. what what's the biggest difference that makes that median age another five or six years above some of the other timed event and or rough stock events? For us, I think the guys that are making the finals every year, they use their heads so much better. You can have all the talent in the world if you don't know how to win. I mean, winning and, and having the ability to win is two different things. Uh, guys that know when to run at the barrier, when to back off. Uh, and honestly, entering is a big, big thing now because there's so many things you got to be qualified for, for with all your tour rodeos, with uh, making sure you make your circuit finals. Uh, and all that kinds of stuff. Whereas if a rookie was just to jump into it, open up the book and see that there's a rodeo in Redding, California, and one in Franklin, Tennessee on the same week, and he puts his name down at both of them, he's not very smart. Well, And I, I know that, that, that sounds like that never would happen, but guys will be entering the wrong rodeos at the wrong dates, and it'll throw everything off. I, I would also think, too, that uh, it might be harder for a younger guy to get on horses. Is that true or no? Yes, uh, young guys are, had their – Guys that have really good horses, whereas you see uh, like Clayton Haas, uh, Casper's out there, uh, Rowdy with DC, uh, my horse Cheese. Like we're not just gonna jump up and let anybody on because I mean, at the end of the day, I'm never gonna put more than four runs on him, and I've got to be able to put the four most valuable runs on him as far as my business goes. So if I've got me, Rowdy, Jacob Tally, and Cash all wanting to ride my horse at San Antonio, just because there's nothing else for somebody to ride, I, I can't, I can't hurt my business sure. to try to help someone else out. And a lot of things were new guys that don't have any horses and stuff like that. It's hard for us to go out of our way to help someone whenever we're never going to get the help in return. So it's kind of, you kind of got to watch what you do and, and who you use and all that kinds of stuff. Now in the same sense, if I can help somebody out, I would love to, but I can't hinder me and my group to help someone out. Yeah. So out of your group, are you hazing? Uh, Remy Parrott is doing most of the hazing. Okay. Uh, he and I both kind of handle most of the hazing right now. But if if any if anybody's running one for big money and stuff like that, Remy's hands down probably that's the guy. better hazer out of everybody. He does it extremely well. That's such a weird deal because really there's not any other sport that you look at that is you, you help somebody that much with the potential or possibility for them to beat you. Mm -hmm. So it's like I'm going to give you – we're going to take my – I know, I know you know – share fuel and ride and all that sort of stuff, but I'm going to give you my horse. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you try to beat me in this deal. And, and the thing is too, it's like that one world championship, that one, I mean, you can get titles at Pendleton or Cheyenne or wherever you go on that deal. But like for the world championship, like you said about your business mm -hmm. is that's what's, you know, I mean, really, I mean, that's kind of a camaraderie that is, is gotta be uncommon because, Hey man, I got a wife and kids too. It's like, yeah, but you know, I mean, and, and you've only got X amount of years. I mean, this isn't, you know, like you said, you're, you're in the middle 
kind of of, of that tail end mm-hmm. of a career to where you've only got so many runs. Your horses only have so many runs. So that's a very interesting dynamic that the steer wrestlers hold that I, I don't think is common in any other aspect. Yeah, but like whenever we talk about like guys hazing and going against them and all that kind of stuff, uh, take Remy, for instance. Remy may go to three rodeos where he does not win a check at all. But me, Rowdy, Jacob Talley are all winning checks every time we nod our head. Well, he's out here getting a check, a piece every single time. Right. Mm-hmm. He can support his family back at home by not having success in right. the arena. There's no, there's no way possible that we're going to go out and place at every single rodeo. Our job out there throughout the year is to win as most checks as possible. I think it's a great job for Remy to do more hazing out there because now he's got more irons in the fire. He's got more opportunities to win a check. Right. A check doesn't necessarily have to be from the rodeo with your name on it. Right, a check right. is a check, whoever's writing it to you. Yeah. So, I mean, that young man does an outstanding job hazing, and outside our group he hazes for a lot of other guys. If you watched him at the Cent Shootout at San Angelo the other day, there was 10 guys in there. He hazed nine of the 10 steers. Yeah. Wow. He was jumping across from different horses, you know, all kinds of stuff because he's a, a young man that'll fall off trying to help everybody else out. And that's who people want to, yeah. to be on their side. So I know Tyler Pearson is, is somebody that a lot of guys want to haze for him as well. What, what makes a good hazer? I mean, what are you looking for? The, the horsemanship, like you talk about a guy like Tyler Pearson, that is, I mean, throughout my career has been the guy that's hazed for me for more money than anyone else. But what Tyler's got going for him is he is such a great horseman. I mean, that guy can take a dink out in the pasture, and within two or three weeks, this thing looks unbelievable. But then if you put someone else on it, it's like, oh, my gosh, what the heck's he doing? Yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, the guy, he, he he's a whiz with those horses. He does does an outstanding job. He's always going to be sitting on a good one. Like I said, that, that great horse Metallica that he has is unbelievable. I mean, that, that horse doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Let's take a quick pause, and we'll be right back. Do you need a dose of social, a dash of insider info? Then the National Finals Rodeo Social Network is set up just for you. Get updates, insights, unique content, and much more on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find us at forward slash Las Vegas NFR. And be sure to use hashtag WranglerNFR on your posts and tweets. There's something for all rodeo fans. Because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. In the middle of the uh, average age now, how many titles do you see in your future? Or how many do you have a goal to reach? I'd love to have the record by the time I get done. Um, Whenever I won my first world title, I thought that that was just unbelievable with one. I won the second one in 2018. And I was like, man, that's incredible. I'm, my name's now next to a bunch of outstanding guys that I've always looked up to with two world titles. And then the third and fourth came fast. So, I mean, it kind of got realistic. Like, I feel like right now I'm in my prime, and I think that I can continue on these next couple of years. So, I'd, I would think sure it would be pretty cool to get the to get the record and walk away as soon as I do it. So, I'm failing as a rodeo announcer. What's the record? You didn't look it up? No. Five. No. Six. Yes. I was- uh, Homer Pettigrew has six. It was back in like the forties. Oh it's gosh, not, the 40s? Oh, we gotta turn it on back only, to Homer. The only problem is, is back then that was the Turtle Association, but it is still classified as a world title. So if you go off a of PRCA world titles, which that's what everybody's running at right now, it'd be Luke with five. Five. So All I right. was I was right on both accounts. So <laughs> so since yeah. we're recording, this, it's a lot of gray area. Your, yeah, your seventh world championship buckle is going to have a turtle on it. So we would just take that the steer be, wrestling emblem off, and it's going to be. World champion with a turtle instead yep. of the steer wrestling. And then we're going down, and we're going to eat turtles. Yeah. 
nothing wrong with that. We just won't know it. Right. No, it surprised everyone. No, I, I, I would, need I need some more surprise ingredients. Oh, oh uh, nah, we can't tell you how to surprise <laughs> you. Yeah. Some stuff I can't say on here, everybody. They'd be calling all kinds of people on us. Y'all eat what? Animal control. Beans here comes the wildlife sweat. officer. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's crazy. And the hard thing is, too, you know, you look at rodeo to where you've seen it before in different events to where, you know, six, five, however, whatever the world championship number is in, like, this guy is it. And then here comes a cash rob to where mm-hmm. it's like they can stir the pot up in a big way to where, you know, I mean, it's just very interesting to see that because – He's a new guy. He's got different stuff. I hope, you know, hope that he does make that NFR. But like when we were talking earlier on, nothing compensates experience, you know. Absolutely not. What And like whenever you say about a, a, a new guy coming along, uh, one of the things that uh, put the most drive in me is whenever I first kind of got out here on the scene, uh, we was all – and all the Bulldoggers are great buddies. And we were riding a truck one day, and Tyler Pearson was talking to us. We was all in a group together. And we was talking about Luke. And they said, you know, Luke Branquino is going to go down – as the greatest steer wrestler of our generation. Like, it, it can't be done the way that he did it. Right. And then eight years later, I got to where I'm one behind him. Right. I, get, I mean, that that's something that it stuck with me ever since Pearson said that. And, that, and that's always been, like, goals that I wanted to have. Is anybody that – if you get the credit for being the best in my event. Right. And you, I hear people constantly saying about, oh, this guy's the best, this guy's the best, this guy's the best. I don't want to be as good. I want to be better. Right. And, I mean, that's, that's what my, – my goal ever since I was a kid – was uh, the guys that I always uh, dreamed about being was like Roy Duvall, Oak Berry, John W. Jones. There was always these these big legends in rodeo. And I said my goal whenever I mean, this was when I was a little kid. I said my goal is I want everybody to forget about them. I said I want them to be second yeah. to everyone to yeah. me. Here What's, we come, Homer Pettigrew. Yeah, yeah. What's crazy, like John Jones? I mean, like you look at Luke Branquino. He's he's built. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's a steer wrestler build big old. And you look at John W. Jones. It's like, mm-hmm. how did you do that for so long? I mean, he just does not have the build at all. Well, guys don't understand that back in the 80s, it was the big man's event. Cattle were weighing two and 300 pounds more, more. than what they're weighing now. Right. Right now, we're running athletic steers that they run a whole lot harder. So, in return, we went from having broke ranch horses that we could score and go catch a steer that wasn't running very fast that now we're getting horses with racing bloodlines mm-hmm. in them. Just we got to have – we got we to gotta be sitting on a rocket to be able to catch up. Right. And so it's it's and it's making it to where smaller guys riding great horses and that are very athletic. I mean, like if you look at Jesse Brown, that guy's like one of the best athletes that I've ever seen come around in a while, and he's having so much success bulldogging because he can depend on his athleticism instead of just strength, strength and size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, are you and Sarah comparing notes then on horses, or not? Not really. I mean, be, chasing running blood is what I'm getting. Well, at. any not, any not calling you a barrel racing trainer. Any horse that that I have. Sarah has an opinion on what to do with it, how to make it better, all that kind of stuff. And any before she sees like a horse that we was to try, before she sees a picture of the horse, before she wants to know what it is for any of that kind of stuff, she wants to pedigree. Like I want to see what it is because she knows which ones get hot headed, which ones do this better, which ones do that better, and all kinds of stuff. And she is a a firm believer in the paperwork on them. Mm. I feel like this has been a heated discussion at some point yeah. in time. Very, very many times. <laughs> Very packed them papers she gets, <laughs> on the bottom side. Your grandsire did not do this, so she gets so mad at me at some boy. of the horses that I bring home. Just yeah, so mad. Oh, honey, look What's, what I brought. Oh, yeah. So, with that, do you have bloodlines that you really like, or is that just something that you like the horse and whatever? I'm I'm more of one that I want the one that can get me there the fastest, right? Um, love making horses as far as getting a young one started and 
but it's such a long process right now that where we're at in our career is cheaper on us to go out and buy one that's already on its way to having a lot of potential. Yeah. Like whenever uh, I bought cheese from Tyler Pearson, but I mean, for the horse's first hundred steers went, I probably jumped half of those because right. it was just it was a green horse in the practice spin that we were having success on and stuff like that. And I went on ahead and bought him from Pearson and finished him out. It's just it's so hard for us to go and grab a horse and start him from scratch because it's a two and three year process. Like I, I still I may possibly ride Cheese at the NFR this year, and he has been rodeoed on for three years, and I think this year he may be good enough or have be uh, disciplined enough to bring into this building. Really, it, it's so much pressure to be put on one there in the Thomas and Mac or to any of the building rodeos really. And those steer wrestling horses too, like you watch it almost at any rodeo is it seems like the steer wrestling horses are always kind of the loose cannons. Mm -hmm. So when you come into the Thomas and Mac and you talk about the pressure on that deal and you know, the guy's like, Oh, you feel the pressure you go in there. Do you feel that those horses with their energy level going into that building? Do you feel a change on that? Or is that just, you know, try not to riding a horse like, uh, like Casper and DC, which I rode those two this year. They get really, really amped up with all that noise and all kinds of stuff. Scooter was a horse that you literally had to crank his motor whenever you backed him in the box, and we were having so much success on him that you'd get in there, they'd have all that pressure on you. You could get him amped up underneath you. He didn't just come by it natural. He was so gentle. He yeah. was so gentle, and we used to always say, you have to kickstart him out of the box. And as fast as it is, we've got to anticipate going, whereas like Casper in D.C., I mean, if you back in the box and somebody sneezes behind you, they're liable to run through the back gate. Like they're so they're just built up and ready to go. Because I mean, that's for two months prior to that. That's all they're taught is. Yeah. As soon as something moves, get to the other end as it fast goes. as you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I gotta jump in here because you just mentioned Casper, DC, all these names. Where did cheese come from for your horse? Uh, cheese was already called cheese whenever I got him. From Tyler, or did it like you picked it up uh, from someone? He actually, cheese actually came from uh, Clay Smith. Uh, he was a team roping horse. Pearson picked him up from Clay Smith, had him for a couple months. We got him going. I mean, whenever he was really green, we were at him at some really big rodeos, and then that was the fall of um, of the COVID year, and I wound up buying him from Pearson then. All right. But it, cheese is the bulldogging horse. You didn't ask me what my Hazen horse's name is. I probably please, don't want to know. Please tell us, <laughs> Mac. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Makes so much Dad more joke. sense. I, made, I love it. I made it a point whenever I bought him. I bought him from Bill Pace, and I'm about to load him on the trailer, and Bill Pace asked me, he said, well, you don't even want to know what his name is? I said, no, sir. He said, why not? I said, because if I know his name, I can't change it. It's bad luck. I said, but if I don't know his name, I can name him whatever I want. He said, what you going to name him? I said, I'm going to name him Mac. He said, well, I ain't going to tell you a word. Then go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking easy was coming to my my brain. I like that. Mac. That is awesome. Well, I hope to see Mac and Cheese at the Thomas and Mac someday. They'll they'll both be here this year for sure, whether they're in the building or whether they're just there for for help. They're going to be here. Nice. So just talk a little bit more as we're, we're back on horses about different guys getting on the same horse because it's funny. Like with Dakota Eldridge's horse, I've seen Dakota get on that horse and he's like stone cold ready to go and then somebody else gets on him and mm-hmm. they ride him totally differently. So... Do you coach up guys that are riding your horses on, hey, don't do this, do this? It's it's normally best to to ride for the horse instead of to try to make the horse ride for the rider. Um, like every every one of them, every horse, whether it's the best horse you've ever seen, they have a quirk. They, any, any horse. There's nobody that can just say, hey, go get on this horse, go do that. At least not in our profession, there's not. And so the best thing to do is if a horse likes stuff a certain way, you're just going to have to learn how to ride like that because – 
I mean, our horses, we get them programmed where we want them to do the same thing every single time. So we can't afford for Joe Blow to come up and need to get a ride and go out pulling on the saddle horn, mm-hmm. getting off early, making him switch leads, uh, raising their hand whenever they nod, whenever they nod so the horse comes up and stuff because we don't want our horses to create any bad habits. So that goes back around to there is guys that we are picky about getting on our stuff. Well, that makes total sense. Is there ever the swap of, like, guys that kind of get pissed off on that deal for the horses? Like, I can't believe you don't let me ride your horse. Uh, No, I mean, it's a – I mean, I'm sure there are, but, I mean, it's got to be an understanding. If someone's mad at me because we don't have enough room, that, and that's more than likely the, the chance. If I ever tell somebody, I'm sorry, I don't have enough room, is legit. I don't have enough room. We cannot put that many runs on the horse. And if a guy's wanting to get mad about that, I mean – I've got a lot invested. You don't in want them in the truck, anyways. Yeah, like yeah. our our crew, my crew, and they know it. We will take care of our crew no matter what. I right. mean, if it doesn't matter, I mean, with the exception of the horse being hurt or crippled or sore or something like that, my guys will be taken care of. Yeah. So that's why the Chippendale dancers weren't allowed to go with you, yeah. Serena. Yeah, well, that's what I said. If you let me rip out the dad bod next to them, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on now. In the words yeah. of Jess Pope, turns yeah. out he's full. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let me borrow that bow tie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, so one awesome. last question then. Is there a retirement plan? Uh yes. I'm I actually I've got a business with cattle right now that um I've just about got it towards making me more money than I do rodeo. So I'm I'm wanting to eventually and like I say, I'm not, not nowhere near about done with rodeo, but goal wise is if I can get to the record. And I would love to go out on top. I, wanna, I don't want to be a guy that's chasing after that last NFR. I'd like to be a guy that goes out there. I mean, I thought Trevor Brazil was the coolest, you know. I mean, he had his mind made up whenever he got there that this was going to be it, and he was gonna, and he went out in style. I mean, that's, he's going to always be remembered as somebody that was always on top and left it like that. And so, I mean, I'd love to be able to go out like that. Uh, I'd like to be able to put on uh, clinics. Uh, shoot, I'd, I'd love to do one a month. I mean, to start off with, I'd like to do about four a year, but I'd like to get it down to doing about one a month and have it at my house. Kids can come in and spend the entire weekend. I'd love to do clinics to where I've only got about five or six kids. We do tons of clinics out there right now that get 40, 50 kids in it, which is wonderful. I mean, that's kids come, they have a good time. They get one slap out. They get to do a lot of activities. But I think that if it was offered to children, or I say children, to young men, one on one, more one on one time. If there's, you know, if there's just us going into the practice pen, we can get a lot more stuff done than if you're waiting your turn for 20 minutes to come back around to a dummy or something like that. Well, that that makes total sense. So thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome uh, and entertaining. But we look forward to seeing you when you make it back to Vegas. Sounds great. Like to see y'all then. Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. <laughs>